Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of these your faithful gathered here out of love for you. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This year, we began a journey that we begin every year. On December 1st, 2019, which was a Sunday, we began the church year. It was the first Sunday of Advent. And we couldn't have anticipated what our lives would be like now, so many months since that Sunday. And yet on that Sunday, we began to hear the story about a child who was born, about angels coming to ordinary people and announcing the birth of the one who would be called Jesus. A word that means God is salvation. And in the gospel according to Matthew, this Jesus, this child who would be visited by Magi and who would be spirited away to Egypt to save him from a maniacal king and who would, with his parents, become a refugee there. This child got a second name. It was Matthew's way of trying to make sure that all his listeners to his story would understand that this child, this Jesus, was the Messiah whom the people of Israel had waited upon. They called him Emmanuel which means God is with us. You know, we've been on a long journey now. We, we discovered in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus arrives back in Galilee, a grown man, very little told about his childhood, if any, and he comes back and is baptized by his cousin John the Baptist and becomes an itinerant rabbi, a rabbi who preaches and teaches in and around the Sea of Galilee and makes pilgrimages to Jerusalem with his followers to keep the holy days of his people. He confounds the religious authorities and government authorities and for that, he is arrested and executed by the state. And then in this miraculous moment, in this unthinkable moment, in this unspeakable moment, God, in God's power, raises him, frees him from the tomb of his burial. And this Jesus, now risen, this Jesus, the living risen Christ, then appears to the disciples, some say for 50 days, and shows this new body, this new self, this living risen Christ to them. 
you know, and and after those 50 days, tells those followers to meet him on a hillside outside of Galilee, having warned them that he would depart them, having told them that he would not orphan them, that he would send the Holy Spirit, he meets them there on that hillside. And the story tells us he ascends. Oh, it is so like some of the stories of the great prophets. Elisha, who ascends to heaven as his follower Elisha watches. Ezekiel, who is carried away in a chariot of fire. This Jesus ascends, ascends to a place and time it is hard for those of us in our postmodern scientific world to understand. They didn't understand either. They had to have a sense of abandonment. Oh, yes, Jesus said he'd send the Holy Spirit, but there's no evidence of that now. He's gone from their sight. And they, they don't even know how to explain this. They don't even know really what is happening. All they know is that Jesus said two important things to them. said, go therefore to all nations and baptize in the name of God, creator, God, the Christ, and God, the Holy Spirit, and do everything that I have taught you to do. And oh, by the way, Remember, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. This is the message, the last words of Jesus in the gospel according to Matthew. We still live in the mystery of this. I mean, who, who can really explain death? Who can really explain resurrection? Who can explain the appearances of Jesus that still had a manifestation of the body he had held on earth with wounds intact, but is something different now? And who could ever explain this ascension? I mean, in our world today, it is hard to believe that God, the risen Christ, and the Holy Spirit is present is present now, beyond us, among us, between us, within us, which is the promise of God, but it's hard to remember, isn't it? This morning I awakened to the New York Times, who on the front page today honored and memorialized the people who have died of the COVID-19 virus. You can see it there. Their names, their ages, and something about them is listed there. But what you need to know is that that's only 1% of the 100,000, the nearly 100,000 that have now died. That's one 
percent. And that's not even all of the names. It goes on and continues on page 12. You know, for us to truly grasp how many people have died, we need to look at an image from the 100,000 of people that packed JFK Stadium in Philadelphia on July 13, 1985. That's how many people. The New York Times begs us to remember that these people were not just a number. These people had lives and families and each death is a grievous loss. Surely in our tumultuous world we have to understand that 100,000 is more than any number, certainly more than a tiny percentage of our USA popula population. People are suffering People are ill and dying and grieving their loved ones. People are hungry, especially our children. And too many to count are struggling with a business that will not reopen or a job that will not return. And in the midst of all this, I think we find ourselves, if we're honest, living in fear, fear of illness, fear of death, fear of hunger, fear of losing jobs and businesses, fear of when life will come back to us again, fear and, and so we try to tamp it down, don't we? Even so, even with the disciples standing open-mouthed, gaping at the ascending Christ, not understanding what is happening, not knowing what will happen to them, these who followed so faithfully, and then abandon him, these disciples had to be afraid. And yet, there is that promise, isn't it? There is that promise. Jesus, his last, very last words to them were, remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And it all began with the birth of this child who was called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And it continues through the promise of the same. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The resurrection and ascension story is not the end of the story, but a beginning, a new beginning. It is a continuation of this story that we now find ourselves in. And I want to remind you that this this promise didn't make their lives easy or perfect. It wouldn't be long until they were standing and watching in horror as the martyr Stephen is stoned to death with the apostle Paul, who was then the Pharisee Saul, 
watching. And 10 of the 11 remaining disciples would die violent deaths, the deaths of martyrs. They would go out across the world into Syria and India and into Europe and Africa where they would proclaim this Jesus risen and ascended and they would be killed for it. And that would include the 12th disciple, Matthias, who was elected to fill in the place that Judas left. And that would include the Apostle Paul, who would beheaded, be beheaded. The only disciple, it is believed, to have lived a natural, died a natural death, was the Apostle John. Even so, during the reign of the Emperor Domitian, he was exiled to Patmos, where it is believed he wrote the last book of the New Testament, the Revelation. Other than living difficult lives and experiencing horrible deaths, they had also this one thing in common. They believed so thoroughly that Jesus Christ was with them, that they went out into the world. They followed that instruction, go therefore into all nations, and they changed the world forever. They made themselves available to the Holy Spirit who came to guide and direct them, to comfort them, to give them strength and courage. And they changed the world. And I wonder, I wonder if their ability to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit was part of that courage that they gained. I wonder if we too have that kind of care and that kind of trust in order to hear what Jesus says to us across time and space, go therefore and I am with you. You know, one of my uh, favorite writers is uh, Mary Lutie. She is a seminary educator and pastor and suggests that while we wait, we pray. In the devotional that she had this week, she recounted a pastoral letter from the Episcopal Bishop of Massachusetts. He told the story of a man who was caught in an earthquake, stricken with terror. He tried to pray but couldn't find any words. He had recited hundreds of thousands of poems or prayers all his life, but he couldn't remember any of them. And so he recited the only thing that came to his mind. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. He offered it fervently and honestly. It was perhaps the most genuine prayer he had ever prayed. And there can be no doubt that God heard him, or we wouldn't have the story. And Ludi writes, these days, lots of us can't focus. So we cope with these circumstances by paying loving attention to the details of daily life, observing the rules of confinement, sharing our resources, being patient, and mustering hope and good cheer. This is what life is now, and it is good. It is also exhausting. 
but this is no time to be worried about finding the right words. It is, however, a time to be real and genuine and to let this time be the good thing that it can be. And if all we can pray is the alphabet, that's just fine. And in the silence of our waiting and our praying, may we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, hear and trust the words of Jesus, the living risen Christ. Remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am Emmanuel, God with you. Now, my friends, let us rise. As the sending Jesus did, let us rise and be God's people here and now. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.